Well, good morning, good afternoon, everybody. I got to get used to saying that. It's, uh, we have been up since early this morning, but uh, it's good to see the sunshine. And I know you've kind of got this spring uh, breeze blowing, and uh, we like that. We understand it's going to be a little colder tomorrow, but uh, back home today and yesterday it was 74 degrees. So we're uh, coming into the wintertime up here, and uh, my blood is pretty thin. So. Uh, I like the, I was telling some of the folks, I like the, the cold weather for skiing and hunting. After Christmas, let's have spring. I'm ready for warm weather, but uh, that's the Texan in me. But it's an honor to be here at Celebration, and we love your pastors very, very much, Pastor Zach and Heather. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun this week, all right? We are local church people. Uh, we have a, a ministry that... Uh, I believe it really is, is for the heart of the, of the church. Uh, for 43 years, we've been, well, this, this coming September, 43 years full time, we've been ministering together. And uh, my wife was with us three years before we got married, so uh, we didn't live together. But uh, she was the pianist for our family, the Cruz family. And my sister Cindy is the worship leader for Pastor Joel Osteen down at a little church in Houston, Lakewood Church, but that's my baby sister. All my siblings, all my brothers and sisters are in full-time ministry. My brother John uh, works for uh, brother uh, uh, Robert Morris there at uh, uh, the church, little church there in Dallas, huh? Yeah, in Dallas and uh, Gateway Church, <clears throat> and he's known for his book, uh, let's see here, The Blessed Life. Anybody ever read that book? It's a phenomenal book. But anyway, so uh, I just thank God my parents, mom and dad, dad's 83, mom is 78, and they are still pastoring in a little town south of Houston called Rosenberg, Texas. So this is our life. And uh, back in 1999, we left uh, a uh, crazy South African evangelist by the name of Rodney Howard Brown to birth a music college in Austin, Texas, because the Lord uh, put in our heart uh, he said, I love what you do, and you can lead worship the rest of your life, but what I would prefer you to do is put the heart of worship in the next generation. And so that's what I've, we, my wife and I have been doing. We have uh, over 150, maybe more than that, 160, and we have close to 30 young men and women in our music college today. It, that school is online, by the way, so uh, we're not bound by the borders of the United States of America. We have students from Thailand, from, from Asia. We have students from Brazil, uh, students from uh, Africa, from the United Kingdom, and the United States of America. It's a three-year program. It's like Bethesda. Uh, our accrediting group is Transworld Accreditation out of Redding, California. So... Uh, we have a church in Austin, Texas that we handed to our oldest son uh, three years ago, three and a half years ago, and it's entitled Compassion Church. So we've been very busy, but uh, the core of who we are is we, we get the privilege of coming into local churches like this one and just sharing on the heart of worship. I'm not here to, to uh, change your style or, or anything like that. I'm here just to remind you, many of you guys have... Uh, silver hair like I do, or it's headed that direction, and uh, that just means we've been around a while, okay? And uh, not her, only her hairdresser knows how much gray hair she has, but
But uh, we're here today just to remind you of some of the things that the Word of God says about worship. And uh, worship is, is uh, like we said, it's not necessarily a style of music. Worship is not necessarily a song. Worship is, is a way of life. It's a way of life. And uh, those of you that are here today, if you're part of the, the music ministry of the church or creative arts department or whatever you call it, uh, our, our, our biggest challenge, I'll tell you this, is, is a, somehow or another imparting, as we, as we are worshipers in ourselves, to impart that heart of worship to people that, for the most part, they relegate God to one or two hours a week, Okay. That's the challenge because they're bombarded. They work in the world. They're a part of the world. They hear all the conversation of the world, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of that stuff. And then we get one shot if we're, if we're quote, lucky. We get one shot if we're, if we're blessed to do so on Sunday morning for about an hour and a half. Uh, most services now are average 45 minutes to an hour. You go an hour and a half, you're going to lose folks. You go two hours, oh, my gosh. You go three hours, there's something wrong with you, you know. But uh, the point is, is that uh, most people expect you to worship for them. Another thing that in America, I'm not going to say other parts of the world, but, but worship has been relegated to a, uh, instead of being an interactive uh, experience, uh, even the model of, of, of worship and church uh, it's become a spectator sport. People come and they watch the show on Sunday morning. Uh, there is not a whole lot of interaction. They come and they put their hands on the back of the pew and they watch you for an hour and a half. And, and they, they, they get a little something out of it, but they feel like they've done God a service and then they go home. God forbid you have a Sunday night service, much less a Wednesday night service. Oh, my goodness. You're infringing on my time. But for those of us that are worshipers, anytime you can come together with God's people and you lift up uh, our adoration to God, there's an exponential explosion that takes place. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. When I come together with God's people, I'm expecting there to be an opportunity. Uh, There's an expectation in my heart that anything can happen and probably will. Okay, now that's, that's my heart, okay? I grew up Southern Baptist, okay? My dad pastored Southern Baptist churches. We were evangelists. We traveled and we sang. But what happened to us was, is in our crusades and meetings, I'm 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 years of age, and my uh, lovely wife back then was our keyboardist, and she traveled with us for the first three years before I saw the light. But... Uh, we begin to see miracles. When I was 18 years of, old, uh, of age, uh, I'd grown up with asthma. Uh, if you're a singer, you understand you have to have good lungs to sing. And I grew up having to take all kinds of medication and under oxygen tents and all that. But at the age of 18, doing a Baptist uh, a church in a bad, uh, uh, doing a revival in a Baptist church, uh, my dad and this pastor came home. I was one of the very few times I couldn't sing, and he came. Uh, to the house where we were staying, and he said, uh, Joe Boy, that's what my dad called me, he said, Joe Boy, he said, uh, Pastor wants to pray for you. And I said, okay. And uh, they anointed me with oil, laid hands on me, and prayed for me. I didn't feel anything. 
Still struggled when I went to sleep, but when I woke up the next morning, my lungs were totally clear. And I never had an asthma attack since. That messed me up. Because, you see, I've been told that miracles had passed away. All that was for the early church. Okay? Which messed me up because then maybe tongues and, 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 and the ministry of the Holy Ghost hadn't passed away either. Hello? And so for my wife and I, the reason we love worship is because it's, it's like the Lord rides in on the wind of the Holy Spirit when we begin to worship. And it creates an atmosphere for God to do some awesome, incredible things. And uh, uh, it's important, the songs we choose, okay? Uh, that's not the end all because we understand, too, that the Lord has given uh, men... Uh, places of authority and leadership to lead people and guide people and to uh, share vision and dreams and we're to uphold their hands and uh, we're not to usurp the authority but, but to learn how to flow to be able to facilitate whatever it is that the Holy Spirit wants to do in a corporate meeting okay and so but we also understand that leadership we all have feet of clay okay which means we're susceptible to, to the things of this world, okay? How many of you know the enemy is real? He has a real name, Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies, okay? And he has a third of the angelic host that help him do his bidding. One thing I know about the power of God, he's more powerful than any devil, any angel. And we have authority as believers, as kings and priests. And so as we come together and we, we learn our position in Christ and, and we spend time privately in His presence, then there are some things that are available to the body and they're available to us as believers. And that, that, that when we come together in this place, that the only reason that this beautiful sanctuary is, is worth anything is because you're here. This is mortar and brick, and, and it was established and erected by God's money. But it's just brick and mortar without us. And what makes this place special, and, and it's been dedicated as a temple of worship, okay? But what makes this place special is you as an individual are a temple, a dwelling place of the Most High God. And, and we have to understand that, that we are carriers of the glory and the presence of God. And that I have the authority and the power to impact my world. Not just on Sunday morning for an hour and a half. That's really the overflow of who I am. You see, yes, I'm a minister of the gospel and, and, and I'm here to do something. And my wife and I are here to do something this week. But really and truly... What you receive today is an overflow of who I am. I'm a worshiper by, by, by choice and by calling and uh, by right as a believer. And, and, and our ministry comes as an overflow of who we are. So anytime, I don't care if it's senior pastors or worship pastors or leadership, those that take care of the kids in the nursery, we are vulnerable to the world's system and the only thing that keeps us in a place of right standing with God 
is that time with God, the intimacy that we have with God as the Word of God comes alive on the inside of us. And the enemy's biggest ploy is to get you and I outside that place of intimacy with God because if he can pull us out of that place, then we open ourselves up to the same authority and power that's wreaking havoc in our our globe today, okay? And so the reason I think that Pastor Zach and Heather brought Becky and I here is because we're not perfect, okay? Now, positionally in Christ, I'm perfect. Can you understand what I just said? Positionally, I'm perfect. But I'm actually a man with feet of clay, and uh, uh, I live in a fallen world. But because of my relationship with Christ, I have authority, I have boldness, I walk in victory because I have, I have allowed the things of God to, to come close to me. And, and, and I cherish, listen to me, I cherish my relationship with my God. I cherish my relationship with my wife, with my children, with my grandchildren, with friends, pastors. And, and because of those things, uh, I don't want to move to the edge. I might as well go here too for just a minute. Grace. There's a lot of talk about the message of grace. I grew up listening to my daddy speak on grace. Grace was not you can do whatever you want to do. That's not grace. Grace is unmerited favor, receiving what I did not deserve. And if you're a worshiper, you're going to cherish the grace that we have been given. Why? Because I, I couldn't earn it. It's not, it's not mine that I could earn. But because I have received it freely, then, then there's something that holds me to that place of God. I cherish, I love your, your intimacy. I love your power. I love what you can do when you show up big. And if you start dabbling in the things of the world, the first thing that's going to lift is his anointing, his power. And that's where religion comes in. And I hate religion. The reason churches are not filled today is because of religion. They've not seen Jesus. They've seen religion, a rosary. Now they go through the motions, but there's no power. There's no power. If you don't sing with power, you might as well go out here and play in some club somewhere. You know, go ahead and make a living doing it, but don't say you're a worshiper. Because when worship occurs, there's a release of God's power. And when people come into this building and they walk through those doors... Before one note is ever sung, I promise you, if this is a worshiping church, then the very fabric of these pews can be used by God. If they could take the clothes and the aprons off of Paul and lay them on the shoulder of people and they'd be instantly healed, then people can walk through those doors. Because this is a worshiping church, and the moment they walk through and sit down on these padded pews, the anointing of God begins to work on the inside of their heart. And that's what people are missing today. They go through the motions. They come through the doors and they hear a little beautiful little sermon. But they leave the same way they came. Oh, let's don't do too much. Let's don't, you know, let's just don't, don't offend them too much. We've been so careful not to offend that the majority of our nation 
is walking in darkness and they have no idea. There are more mega churches today than ever before. And our, and our country's worse off than it's ever been. So just a little side tidbit. That's not my message. That's just kind of an, kind of an introduction. But you guys have to know, you know, we're here today because we love you. We love your pastors. And uh, 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 we don't have all the answers. But I know what I'm called to do. And I know what, what God has graced us to do. So let's just stand our feet just for a minute. Let's just do the one. I see the Lord. Let's do that very last one. I think you might know that one. Uh, I was going to do show me your ways. Maybe we'll do that one tomorrow evening because we don't even have words, do we? Yeah, and I have to teach you that. But let's just sing. Let's sing this. Uh, Chris Folson, one of our great friends from Australia, wrote this years and years ago. It was one of the old integrity, you know, songs. But it goes like this. I see the Lord seated on the throne. Exalted. Exalted. And the train of his Fills the temple with glory, and the whole earth is filled. The whole earth, and the whole earth is filled, and the whole. Let's sing that verse again. I see the Lord. I see the Lord seated on the throne. Seated on the throne. Highly exalted. Exalted. And the train. And the train of his robe fills. Fills the temple with glory. And the whole earth, and the whole earth is filled. The whole earth, and the whole earth is filled. And the whole earth is filled with His glory. So we sing holy. again holy 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 yes the Lord Let's sing that verse one more time I see the Lord 
I see the Lord seated on the throne, seated on the throne. Oh, so exalted, exalted, and the train of His robe fills the temple with glory. And the whole earth is filled, and the whole earth is filled with His glory. Oh, sing the whole earth. Just lift your voices this morning for just a little while longer. We bless your name. Come on, just worship the Lord. Sing a new song. Sing a new song. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Ramoma Shehele, Ristaka, Melamamba, Salamondo, Remana. Lord, fill this place with your glory. Fill this place with your glory. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we bring our adoration, our love to you this afternoon. We bring you our hallelujahs. 
We bring you our hallelujahs. Lord, we open our hearts to you this afternoon. Lord, to receive. Lord, we know there's more. Lord, we know there's more. Open the eyes of our understanding. Oh, that we might be able to see like we've never seen before. Lord, open our ears today that we can hear what you're saying. Lord, even here to Celebration Church. Lord, open our hearts. Lord, if there's anything there, Lord, any envy or strife or bitterness, Lord, that would keep you out. The walls that might have been erected, Lord, to protect ourselves. Lord, we ask you to remove anything. Oh, Lord, we love you. We magnify you. Lord, for our lips. <laughs> Lord, that what we say, what comes out of our mouth, Lord, is pure and holy. Ramaste and pleasing to you. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. We exalt you, Lord. We exalt you, Lord. You see, praise has a voice. One thing that we try and, and remind people because because of the nature of the church today it's it's really everybody comes to watch the show many times in churches it's it's uh, everybody worships their worship oh our praise team is the best you know our our band's the best or whatever oh our church look how beautiful it is no really you see praise has a voice for me to praise my wife and tell her how beautiful she is we've been married for 38 years but i just don't go you know, I just don't wink at her, you know, and, and she might know what a wink is, but, but if I'm going to praise her, I'll open my mouth and I tell her how much I love her. Worship, yeah, you can stand there and meditate upon the Lord and I can look at her and go, man, you're so awesome, you're so beautiful, I love you more today than ever. I can be thinking all those things, but if I want to tell her, I'm going to praise her. Praise has a voice, and one of the things that the enemy has tried to do is he has tried to shut the mouth of the church. I'm talking about God's people. Our effectiveness, the opportunity for us to have a voice in the earth. And so it's time that the church rose up. Somebody say amen. And that we raise up a group of people that know how to praise him. And we're not ashamed. You know, every other group of people out there, no matter who the advocate is, they're not ashamed of, of what they're they're talking about. They're going to make sure their voice is known. And, and they don't care who receives it or how it's received. They don't care whose feet they tremble upon or tread upon. They're going to get it out there. They're, sometimes they're almost, you know, vindictive about it. But, oh, no, God's people know, you know, we're loving people. And, you know, my goodness. So, so we're not going to be vocal. Come on. That's one of the enemy's ploys. I'll just silence the church. We give you the highest praise. We give you the highest praise. 
We give you the highest praise. We give you the highest praise. We give you the highest praise. Sing that again. We give you the highest praise. We give you the highest praise. We give you the highest praise. Oh, we give you the highest praise. We give you the highest praise. We give you the highest praise. More than the air I breathe. More than the song I sing. More than the next heartbeat, more than anything, Lord, as time goes by, I'll be by your side, cause I never want to go back to my old life, I ain't going back, cause I never want to go back. See, there's nothing there. Cause I never want to go back to my old life. I need you more. More than yesterday, I need you more. More than words can say, I need than ever, than ever before. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Lord, we love you. Just lift your hands across this room and just tell him this morning how much you love him. Lord, you're so awesome. Come on, again, praise has a voice. You're not going to offend me, my speaking out loud or praying out loud Lord receive our praise this morning Lord teach us your ways Lord give us a glimpse of heaven Lord drop in our spirit a fresh revelation of who you are Lord we love you more than life itself you're more than a song Lord, you're more than a message. Lord, you're our God. We thank you that you are our God. I'm going to ask you to say this. Lord, use me. Can you say that? Lord, use me. As a testimony of your goodness. But Lord, as I live my life in you, that others will be drawn to your goodness, to your faithfulness to your grace and your mercy. Lord, that's my heart's desire. Lord, let everything else flow out of that. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory for what you're going to do even in this short time. We magnify you. We give you praise. And all God's people said, amen. Come on, let's give him praise. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I was going to say, before you sit down, just turn to the person next to you and say, 
Sure do love you. And uh, so glad you're here. Wouldn't be near as much fun without you. Hallelujah. <laughs> the Lord is here, amen? The Lord is here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. It don't matter. You can sit on this one. It's right, oh, it's right behind you. It's right there. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but the Lord is here. Huh? The Lord is here. Amen? Hallelujah. No, but let me see. They'll get you fixed up. I didn't check. Joel fixed it. You know, there's just something about worshiping with God's people. Amen. I love it. I love it. I love it when God's people come together. There's an exponential sound. And an exponential faith that, that happens, and especially with hungry people. And the only way that you'll really ever see your congregation hungry is when you learn to come hungry. Amen. You know, I, re I really believe the church, uh, you know, we sometimes, and we don't beat up on the church, but, you know, you see people don't come hungry to service. It, it becomes a routine or a ritual or let me go, you know, let me go to church and, you know, let me go appease God. But it's really not about that. It's about coming hungry and thirsty and coming with an expectancy mm. of faith. God, you're going to show up and you're going to show out today. And if you want to see that in the people, you have to have that in the team, in the worship team. And I think one of the things that Joe and I have learned all through the years is that, that we cannot let the congregation's, you know, attitudes or their temperature affect us. We have to come hungry, thirsty, excited, full of faith, and desiring. God, if you, if you don't have revival in anybody but me today, you know, just do it in me. And, and let me be the overflow. Let is. me be the overflow. And, uh, and so we, we've had to do that, you know, because when you do what we do for all the years that we have, and we've served many men, wonderful men and women of God, and, and then we started our own ministry in 1999, and, man, I tell you, there are some days you don't have anybody to stir you up. You have to stir your own stuff Truth. up. So you know, true. the, uh, the uh, King David the Bible says there when he came from Ziklag and they had, they had uh, plundered all the wives and the children and, you know, the city was burned. And he went and, all, he, he went and asked the Lord, Lord, do I, do I go after them? And the Lord said, you know, and, you know, that passage I'm talking about, I think it's in 2 Kings. And he says, David stirred himself up in the Lord. And, and we have to do that. You know, as worshipers, as leaders, we have to learn how to do that. We can't wait for Pastor Zach, Pastor Heather. We can't wait for anybody to stir us up. If we come hungry and thirsty, we can stir our own selves up in the Lord and come with that expectancy. And I promise you, when you come that way, you're going to see some amazing things happen because that's going to affect other people. And, uh, and so we, we are just excited. We are honored, you guys, that you invited us. Uh, what a beautiful place and what beautiful people you place. have. It's a wonderful opportunity for us to come and to uh, just pour out. We have been doing this, as Pastor Joe said, for a very long time. But it's still as exciting today as it's ever been to meet new people, new parts of the family, and to come and to worship with you and to yeah. just um, let the Lord use us to do whatever he wants to do. <laughs> 
And uh, we, we are humbled. You know, I don't know what it is about getting older. There's one thing I know about getting older. You, you learn that you don't know as much as you thought you did. And you learn your dependency more is more on God every day that you live. You learn it's really not about me, but it's all about him. And, uh, and because of that, you're just grateful that God still uses you. And Amen. so I stand here today, and I'm, still, I'm just grateful that God still uses me, that he's chosen me, and that he's honored me, that I can carry the power of his love and the power of his spirit on the inside of me, and that he wants to use my hands and he wants to use my voice in the earth. And I'll, I'll get, turn it over to Pastor Joe. I just wanted to tell you a little testimony. Uh, back, not this past November, but the November before last, we were invited to uh, Brazil. We were ministering there in a very large church in Brazil. And um, I'm telling you, uh, the Brazilian people are passionate. As passionate as they are about, I mean, they're just a passionate people. And when you get them in the move of God and you get them in, uh, saved, born again, filled with the Spirit, oh, my goodness, they are passionate people. They are. And, uh, and so uh, we had an amazing time. There were, I don't know, seven, eight, ten thousand 10,000 people uh, there that weekend for a conference. It was one church, and all of their satellite churches came together. And it was just wonderful. Well, on Sunday morning, we actually just did the worship. There was another guy speaking on Sunday morning. And, and so as we finished worship and we went and sat down on the front row, um, the pastor stood, the evangelist stood up and he was speaking to the congregation. And all of a sudden, it was like he had a word from God. And he looked down at this couple sitting, uh, a pastor and his wife that were sitting, that were just visiting. And uh, he looked at them. He said, Pastor Enrique, you and your wife come forward. Stand up. And he, they came forward, and the evangelist just began to speak prophetically over them. And then he said, fire. And those people, they just went, they just, no one touched them. I mean, they just, they was like rocks. They just dropped, you know. And we're just sitting there watching, and uh, the, the evangelist sent us, Brother Joe, Becky, go and lay your hands on those people. And we stood up just at the uh, obedience. And when we stood up, I heard the Lord say to me, don't you ever forget what a, what a, a blessing and what a, a priority and what a privilege it is to be my hands in the earth. Don't ever forget what a blessing and a privilege it is to be my voice in the earth. Well, I, I mean, by the time I got to those people, I'm like, oh, my goodness, it's not me. It's God in me. It's God through me. My prayer for you this weekend is that you realize this is not about you. This is really not about pastors. This is really not about celebration. This is about God in you. And this is about you being his voice Amen. in the earth. And this awesome. is about you being his hands extended Amen. in the earth. And when we see the precious privilege that we have when we carry the divine presence of God on the inside of us and we are his voice and we are his hands and we are his feet in the so earth. True. When you recognize it like that, you'll walk different, you'll talk different, you'll do things different with your hands than what you've ever done when you realize it's not you. Mm. It's all about him. We are, the, we are privileged and honored to be his voice Amen. in the earth. We're privileged and honored to be his hands extended in the earth and that was such a revelation to me and I say that to you celebration team when you get a revelation of who lives on the inside of you and it's not about you but it's about him in you 
and you are his voice. Amen. And you are his hands. That's it just good. shows, it's just a whole nother way to look at life yeah. and ministry. So I share that with you today. Powerful. Amen. Love it. Amen. Keep your mind. Because I know you're going to want to say something else. <laughs> Be nice. Be I nice. will. Um, you know, in coming to, to be here and not knowing who we are, um, you know, one of, the, one of the, you'll find as we go through the weekend, there, there are cruisisms, things that, that we say and things that are uh, kind of connected to who we are and the way we do things. But, uh, you know, respect, respect is earned, okay? You earn the right to speak into other people's lives, okay? Uh, I've been, I've been uh, around a long time, and, and um, uh, that's one of the neat pleasures about getting older is the fact that, that uh, you've lived a lot of life, and, and you don't take everything for granted, but uh, you've had enough experiences along the way to, to know that um, uh, this helps build who we are is the experiences that we've had. But, but for some people, uh, if you do not have a wonderful uh, uh, relationship with the Lord, uh, it's easy also to pick up offenses and things like that in church, if you've been around church very long. Um, because, you know, I grew up in a generation whenever, uh, you know, my mom and dad being 83, that people didn't go from church to church. It wasn't like, well, there's a new restaurant in town and... And uh, I'm tired of McDonald's, so I'm going to go over here and check out this new restaurant, you know. You were, you were fa as, long, as long as, it, because nine times out of ten back in the day, whoever owned that restaurant, you knew them. And so part of your, even with the bad food at times, you went and ate because they're your friends. And, and you know, th there were these connections that after a while you didn't even recognize the food because you knew you were going to see your friend there. And... Uh, but, but some people, because of the, the new way things are, uh, you know, fast food, if it's not fast enough, you get out of line, okay? So if you're in line at Chick-fil-A and the line's too long, you don't even get in line because it's not fast enough. And, and, and so that's kind of the measure people have adapted that, you know? Uh, one of the things that Donald Trump said was this. He said, 95% uh, of my... Uh, uh, financial meetings and and meetings with a new client last 45 minutes he said if we can't get done he said i know in 45 minutes whether or not i'm going to do business with that person and uh people today have brought that mentality into the local church that you got 45 minutes buddy if you don't get me in 45 minutes i'm done whereas i grew up in a time whenever my dad whenever he preached he wasn't going to preach he preached for 45 minutes. That included the music and everything else and the offering and the special music and everything else. I mean, it was just a different culture in the way we have church. And uh, I'm not saying one is, is better than the other, but I will say this, that, that um, uh, because I remember uh, also in reading about Hillsong and Brian Houston and, and Darlene Check, who's a friend of ours, and, and uh, that uh, the day when, when Brian walked in and said, Darlene, I need you guys to go on out to the platform. He said, we've got to have another service. She said, right now? He said, yeah. He said, we've got over 3,000 people standing out there in the rain. And he said, we need to go ahead and have another service. And he said, you've got 15 minutes. And we're going to do this service in 45. Well, it was out of a need. It wasn't like that was going to be the model. But people take what they see and they make it a denomination or they make it a religious model. And, and for us, it's not about how long you do anything or what you do. Uh, 
It's whether or not there's the touch of heaven on it. Okay? And, but, but what happens is, is that in, in our relationships uh, and in our culture, uh, because we are faithful and we are, we are diligent people, uh, transition comes, new pastors come to new churches, and, and, and if we're not careful, we bring along all of our, our baggage because of, of what has taken place. And, and trust, it's very difficult to, to have trust. In a marriage, if trust is broken, it's very difficult to have that trust re- rebuilt. Same way in the local church. If people have been hurt in church, they walk away from it, they're very skeptical about coming to, back to the church because they don't want to get hurt again. You know, it's like if you take, go down to the, to the trough and the pig's coming to drink water, and every time the pig comes to get a drink, you drop a, a brick on its head. After a while, he's going to go, water, brick, <laughs> Head? No. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't take long for, for people. If that's the mentality, then they're going to figure out, you know what? I've got, I've got a, a brother-in-law. Uh, my, wi- my wife is the youngest of, of all of the siblings and 17 years span over all her brothers and sisters. So she has a, an older sister, 17 years older than she is. That are, they're in their 70s. And uh, her husband got hurt years and years and years ago. He will not go to church. He will tell you he loves God with all of his heart. He can see God on the top of that Colorado mountain where he lives. You know what I'm saying? So, and I'm not going to dispute that. I'm not the judge. But the point is, is that the Bible also said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Some is. Okay. And so there is the both and. There's not the either or. And our job and our privilege, I guess you would say, is that, that we have to, to understand that whenever you come and, and, and you're leading people into the presence of the Lord, if you're part of the praise team or ministry team in some way, or you're standing at the door greeting people as they come in or parking people in the parking lot or whatever that is, that you don't know how you're going to get those people, what they're going to say, what they went through the week, everything else. They're going to walk in these doors. They're going to have everything under the sun on their mind. The last thing on their mind is going to be worship. And what a tragedy. So... For us, you know, our life has been, has been given to creating, is helping people to understand what it is to create an atmosphere of worship, and it begins in your home, okay? It begins in your home. We have, uh, with the music college uh, that we have uh, there at Cruz Institute, we um, uh, teach a lot of classes concerning heart, concerning uh, excellence, concerning the anointing. Uh, matter of fact, the motto of the school or the, the, the real vision and mission is coupling excellence and the anointing. In other words, we want you to understand there is the playing skillful side of it. Play skillfully, the Bible says, David said. But not only playing skillfully, but there's also the anointing. There's, there, there's the, the presenting ourselves in a way that the Lord would, would breathe upon us. The power to do what he's called us we to do. Say, we say the excellent side, it, it's, it's our part. It's us. The excellent side is have we trained properly? Have we prepared properly? Have we done all in the natural realm to, uh, to, to play skillfully right. or to sing skillfully or, or to greet or to, to team people or to lead volunteers? Have we done our part? That's our part. Right. God's part is the breath. Right. It's, it's heaven on it and uh, we we can't do God's part and God can probably use he can probably do without us but oh what a privilege it is and he has always chosen to use man and when those two come together 
It's an exciting. It's a very special thing. It is. And so uh, to this, today what we wanted to talk about was, was bringing those two things together. But uh, uh, we will finish uh, with, with another, or maybe I need to start with it. Uh, I don't know, or we'll weave it together. But we, we, we have a message we, that we teach, coupling excellence and the anointing. And then, the, uh, and then another one that's really big when we come is, is team ministry. Together, each anointed to minister, an acronym on the word team. Because um, worship begins at home. Uh, the sad part about it is, is that uh, in our day and age, uh, even younger and younger, we send our kids to pre-K. You know, starting at age three or four, we start sending our kids off. And for five days a week, at least half a day, they're in somebody else's hands. And then for 18 years, the most, the most, the, the most critical years of a child's life and a person's life, we put our kids for eight hours a day in the hands of someone else. Most of the time, they're very humanistic. Uh, they, they, exactly. I'm not going to say all the time, but but many times, they are very. And in the schools, 1963, Austin, Texas, Madeline Murray O'Hare, we took prayer out of schools. So any evidence of God, and they even just had to pass a law in Texas so that you could say Christmas. You could have a, quote, Christmas party back in your school. So for years and years and years, they have tried their best to take God out of, and that's the most critical time, so eight hours a day. So what I'm saying is, is that, that worship, the heart of worship, the things of God, having a godly heart and all of that, which that's the basis of our relationship with the Lord because your ministry flows out of that intimacy with God. Otherwise, we have nothing to say or nothing to sing. Come on. And, and so with that in mind, team ministry is very important. The Lord understood team ministry. The first team was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There in Genesis, they said, let us make man. Okay, people say all the time, where do you see Jesus in the Old Testament? In the beginning. In the beginning, when the Holy Spirit was brooding over the earth. Jesus was God's voice on the earth. He spoke everything into existence. That's why praise for me, speaking what I know is very important. Because God could have thought it and everything become what it is. But instead, he said, let us. Let there be. Okay, so anyway. So with that in mind, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Number two would be man. He, God put Adam on the earth and he said, it's not good that man should be a, alone. So he said, uh, I'm going to make woman. And, uh, uh, and so uh, husband and wife. And then he said, uh, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Okay, so, so God created husband and wife. And then in that family unit, then uh, God gave us out of that, and then through what Christ did, through the family, through uh, Joseph and Mary, through, through that, that supernatural childbirth by the Holy Ghost, he, he created a family, and, and through that family, Christ came to, to establish the church, the church. And then through the church... Then there was the corporate church that came about, all of God's family upon the earth. But the family on the earth is, is broken down into individual uh, houses of worship and, and community, okay? And so with that, we are to, to uh, birth these, these places that, that, that people can grow in the things of God and can be mentored and, and can be taught the word of God. 
And, and so here in just a few minutes, we'll talk a little bit about, we, you know, David Letterman has his top ten list. Well, I've got my top ten list uh, for the team. And God has put you here then in this church in uh, the team. He raises up the team that are the leadership that began to speak into the life of the church, set forth vision. Uh, the Bible says make the vision plain so that those that, that follow may read it and can follow along. So God places people in leadership in a church. And uh, they are not to be dictators. They, they are to be facilitators of the vision of God. Okay. And with that, then we help them facilitate that vision. So what we want to talk about here just for a little bit, and uh, uh, it's about five, a little bit after 2 o'clock. So Becky and I are just going to talk a little bit about some of these things. And, and the first thing we want to talk about and, and kind of drop in your spirit is that what, what is excellence and what is the anointing, okay? Uh, and, and so we can talk a little bit about that and share that if you want to read some of this uh, you can do it if you want to go to some of that I think it's good if we know um, we all have in our mind what excellence is but um, let's talk about what excellence is not excellence is not perfection I'll let you write that down a moment excellence is not perfection not making mistakes But excellence is the desire to steward the gift God's placed in us to the best of our ability. Let me repeat that for those of you that are taking notes. Excellence is the desire to steward the gift that God's placed in us to the best of our ability. To have an excellent spirit. How many of you have known... Uh you know, I love athletics. You know, I love all that kind of stuff. I'm an outdoor kind of guy. But, but uh, how many of you know uh, guys that were, you know, very good in college, but when they went to the next level, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't do it, okay? Uh, some of it was because uh, of drugs and alcohol. They, they could not make the transition because they were the top person. They were the one that everybody made over. But once they got to the next level to where I'm going to go compete with men and I'm going to take somebody's job. I'm fixing to take somebody's livelihood. And when, you, when boys begin to play with men, it's a different mentality, okay? They didn't know how to make the transition. And, and sometimes people, they're, they're very gifted. They, they have all the gifting in the world, but they do not steward. There, there, there are ways that we steward the gift that God has given us. There are ways that we protect that gift that God has given us. There are ways that we enhance that gift that God has given us. But there are others that take advantage of the gift that God has given them in a bad way, and they, they end up with no place at all. Uh, pastors that have fallen, okay? They, they did not steward that, that, that place of leadership that God had given them, and they allowed the enemy to come in and still kill and destroy. Uh, if you do not steward your marriage, if you're not a good steward to care for your marriage, your children, then we open the door for the enemy to come in and take our family from us, take our kids from us, our business. Mm -hmm. I mean, this, this transcends to every level of our life, but we see that excellence is not perfectionism. But excellence really is what that is that God has gifted me to do. Then I have a responsibility to, to, to do whatever I can with that to the best of my ability. Okay? Right. Excellence really is about, steward, about being Man. a good steward 
of the gifts. Excellent is not about missing notes or cues or opportunities. That's not excellence. We're not, when we are working with young musicians, uh, we're not. Or old musicians. Or old musicians. Seasoned musicians. <laughs> Anybody ever miss a note? Anybody ever, but you never missed a note. <laughs> okay. Well, you right. That was trick. You did a trick, a trick question there. We've all missed notes. We've all missed notes. It's not about that. Excellence means that there are things in our life that we can do to better ourselves through the gaining of knowledge and understanding. That's right. The scripture here is 2 Timothy 2.15, which says, Study and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to God, approved, tested by trial. A workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing, accurately dividing, rightly handling, and skillfully teaching the word, the word of, truth. of truth. Isn't that awesome? That's 2 Timothy 2, 15. Excellence, uh, excellence is playing skillfully. Uh, that's 1 Samuel 16, 16 through 18, where Saul calls for David a man of great skill, mm -hmm. a man of valor and of war. When he played, Saul was refreshed. It's true. You know, a lot of people think, and a lot of guys don't sing when they come to church because they think that's all. Oh, that's for girls. I can't sing. But, but I, the thing I love about David was, David, uh, not only was he a warrior, I mean, he was a man's man. Anybody here taking out a bear with your bare hands? Okay. Or, or can you run as fast as a deer? Hello. I mean, the man was quick. He could do a lot of things in the natural realm. He could put two uh, arrows within a hair's breadth. That's like, that's like Robin Hood. He could take the arrow and split it down the middle with the next arrow. I mean, he really could do that. But the, pro but the other thing was David was a worshiper. David was a man after God's own heart. He was not afraid to take off his kingly robe and lose himself in a dance because the ark, which represented the presence of God, Coming had back. been brought back that's into right. the city. You know that's what I'm right. saying? And these right. are things that we see with David's heart. Mm -hmm. Excellence always represents our part or what we can do right. uh, or bring to a situation. Excellence represents someone willing to work hard. Uh, if you're writing this down, you write this down. And, and we can give you this, this so that everybody can have a copy of it. We should have already done that. Probably should Excellence have represents someone willing to work hard. Speaking of their work ethic, they might not have the best gear or the best voice, but they'll take what they have and be diligent and work hard. To make it the best it can be. When we're teaching our students and when we're sharing this with our, with our students, uh, we also have Bible college students there as well. And, uh, uh, I mean, that's even in standing before people as an usher or a greeter or, or taking care of children's kids, you know. I mean, uh, taking care of, of uh, parents' kids, you know, in the nursery. Uh, there's an excellent spirit. You know, the sad thing about it is is that in, a, in America today, uh, you can lose families over the fact that they went to this one church and, and when they picked up their kid, the diaper had been changed. But when they went to this church over here and they picked up their kid, the kid's diaper was dirty. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? You don't realize the kid could have between the time we just changed it and you picked him up, he could have messed his britches. You know, but people don't, I, I'm, just, I'm just being honest, you know. Or you do walk into the nursery and it doesn't smell clean. It doesn't smell like the, when they left that service and left that building. They didn't go through everything and smelled like Lysol or whatever you want to do. You know, there are just certain things that, 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 sh that show there has been a an extra touch given to, to this little area of ministry. 
And that's what we're talking about. Some guys that don't have the best gear, they may not have the most expensive guitar, but you know what they've done? They've understood the first thing you do is you, you make sure that you keep it in tune. You know, before you ever start a service, before you ever start to play, the first thing I'm going to do is, is I'm going to make sure my instrument is in tune. Hello. I'm going to make sure that the cables that I have that I'm using today, that to the best of my ability, they're in working order. They're not crackling. They weren't crackling before I plugged it in, so what do you think? It's probably going to crackle once you get started. So, you know, there are certain things that you can't, you can't get past all of that. There are going to be broken cables. There are going to be times whenever you pick up a microphone and the cable begins to crackle or whatever. But for the most part, we've done our best to prepare, check all these things out before everything gets started. And, and that is our part. That, that, that's having an excellent spirit. You understand what we're saying? And that's one of the things that I love. Uh, maybe it's because I grew up in a family. My dad was military. My dad was in the Air Force, okay? So when I had to mow the yard as a kid, you had to mow in straight lines so that he saw that you were going the right, or you washed your car. My dad would go back out there, and if the windows were not every spot off of it, he'd wet it down until you do it again. Now, that's trying to be perfect. <laughs> but my dad taught me some things in that. We grew up raising rich quarter horses when I was younger. So my job on Saturday was to clean the stalls. And if you do not clean the stall and all you do is throw new shavings over the top of the old shavings, it doesn't take but a day for them to know that you didn't do it the right way. And it can cause the, the animal harm by standing in uh, anyway. There's just an excellent spirit. See, these things, one of the things that my wife and I also, another cruisism, not only respect is earned, then honor is given, but there's also the ripple effect. Every decision we make as believers, as leaders, uh, those that are in a place of leadership, the, the decisions we make, Brother Zach, and this is one of the things that's tough as a, as, as a pastor, every decision I make has a ripple effect. If you're a business owner, you understand what I'm talking about. Every decision you make has a ripple effect. And so even in the kingdom of God, the things that I allow in moderation, you know, the Bible says, and, 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 and others will say, our kids will do in excess. They will take it the step further. And so if I, but, but on, on the kingdom side, if I've been diligent to, to let my kids know that, listen, this is important, to have an excellent spirit, to make sure that, that I do whatever I can with what God has put on the inside of me, and I'm a good steward of that, and I put that instilled in my kids, I've seen that bar rise even in my children. They carry a greater anointing than I carry. And in my grandbabies... I've got grandchildren that are two and three years old that already have better pitch than my kids had when they were their age. Now, I'm not kidding. They can flat sing. And I say, Lord, I see all these things working in their life to the better because we just steward what you put in our hands. So the ripple effect can work adversely or it, or can, it work can work on the other one. On the, on the positive side. Hallelujah. All right, so that's a little bit about excellence. Let's look at what is and what is not the anointing. Amen. Let's go on there. What is? Um, the anointing represents, as we said, God's part. It represents God's part. The anointing is the divine empowerment mm. or ability. It is the supernatural touch of heaven. In most evangelical books or teachings, this point is not always brought out. But for those who depend upon the anointing. We said for those of us. That's us. We depend upon the anointing for flow, for spontaneous worship, 
for song of the Lord. We lean heavy you could on put, God's You could put for the, for the prophetic that is flowing in the prophetic. If you're a minister of the gospel, whenever you're there and the prophetic begins to flow, we are totally dependent upon the anointing, the anointing. and the power of God. Why? Because we know in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that we prophesy in part and we know in part. No prophet is ever going to do it all perfect. Mm -hmm. Hello. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're not going to do it all perfect. But the closer we are and the more we depend, the more we know the word of God. Hello. Mm -hmm. As a mm -hmm. minister of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the more we are able to flow under the unction of the Holy Spirit, then we put ourselves in a better position to prophesy, right. to right. sing in the Spirit, right. to flow under the unction of the Holy Spirit and get it right. Right. Hello. Right. That's right. Um, the anointing is not... Soulless manipulation. The anointing is not soulish manipulation. Here, give me your chin. Ha, da, da, ba, 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 do. Mm -hmm. Ever been there in mm -hmm. the Pentecostal church? Mm -hmm. Come on, we've all been there. We've all been on Scared both sides the heck of the spectrum. We've all been on both sides of the, of the spectrum. Okay, it's not manipulation. When it there's is, a genuine move of the Holy Ghost. It's not about moving people with a particular style of music or art form. Ephesians 3.20, it's a key scripture here, tells us that the anointing is the power. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. It's his power. That's what the anointing is. The anointing represents God's supernatural favor on our lives. David had the skill, but more importantly, he had been anointed by God. And when he played, the spirits left Saul. 2 Kings 3, 14 and 15 tells us Elisha called for a minstrel. Mm -hmm. And when the minstrel played, he ushered in the presence of the Lord. That's right. And Elisha began to prophesy just what you were talking so, about. So there. here's the thing. If, if it's a soulish, now listen to me. This is, this is very important. I love all styles of music, okay? I love black gospel. I love the contemporary Christian music. But I've been around artists on both ends of the spectrum that, that they come up and they got all the moves in the world. They got all the licks in the world. And if you don't know them, you can be moved just by the gift. But whenever you... but but. I guess because of our age and because we've been around it, I know whenever a guy, he's, it's all about his licks. And I'm going, there's something, there's, there's something there. I don't know what this is, but, but he's trying to prove to me that he's got something. Instead of just standing up there and allowing the anointing of, of the Lord to flow through him and it being something that's an outworking of who he is. And sure enough, you get to the back side of the story and you realize his life behind the scenes doesn't, doesn't uh, measure, doesn't come up to what I see on the platform. So the key to us walking in this anointing is it has to be working in your private life. Are all of us going to make mistakes? Absolutely. But what set David apart was he was quick to repent. He was quick to repent. You just don't keep living in a lifestyle. We had an elderly lady that was a great friend of ours gone on to be with Jesus, and she would tell us, she would say, she said, it's not a problem to have a problem. No, it's not a problem well, to have a, it's not a sin to have a problem. There it is. It's not a sin to have a problem, but it is a sin to have the same old problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you 
got the same old problem, that's a problem. Then, then, mm -hmm. then it's gone past. It's like, you know, casting out devils. Mm -hmm. Devils in America are the ones that couldn't make it overseas. Yeah, because whenever you lay hands on, on people that have a devil and you tell it to come out, spirits obey. Devils obey. If you want to keep that spirit, you can keep it. Flesh doesn't flesh, obey. Flesh won't, will not sometimes, that's how, that's you, know, flesh, you know, flesh won't obey. But, but, but whenever a person wants to be free mm -hmm. and you speak to that thing, it has to go because I, the authority of God commands and it has to obey. I think we, we minister a lot overseas. So we're in Asia a lot. We're in Africa a lot. And we, we see it all the time. Oh, I mean, it's Lord. just blatant it's just, over there. Uh, demonic is huge, you know. And so you know when you speak to somebody and they're manifesting ugly or doing crazy things or whatever, and I've watched him. There was a lady, uh, in my mind, there was a lady that came forward in an altar call in Africa. And she was acting a fool. I mean, she was just acting crazy, you know. And he looked at her. and uh, She wouldn't look at me. She wouldn't look at him. And there, uh, she was, like, falling and jumping and acting just crazy. Just causing a scene. Causing a scene. And uh, so go ahead. I just, I just grabbed her by the arm, and I said, look at me. Look at me. And then finally she, she looked. She's. We caught eye contact, and I said, look at me. I said, in the name of Jesus, free. That's all I said. And the moment I did, she went, boom. And she just hit the floor. Her whole demeanor, her whole spirit instantly changed. She began to weep, and she began to cry. And the fire of God began to change her from the inside out. But, her, but she had been to many services Many places, and it was all about her getting attention. Yeah. One of the things you also realize about the enemy, he wants the attention. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a musician and you're a, quote, a worship leader and you want all the attention, something is not right. Somewhere along the way there has not been a breaking and an understanding of who you are in him and who he is in you. Right. It's right. not about us. That's right. It's about him. That's right. So that's, that's one of the things that the Lord has really spoken to our heart about. Let's go on. Yeah. I know we got a lot of stuff. What are the benefits? Moses was anointed by God to I'm lead his people. That. You're skipping ours. Skip. <laughs> skip. Oh, we've got a lot here. What are the benefits of these two components at work in a person's life? Well, in other words, what is the benefit of having excellence and the anointing? Excellence and the anointing gives us abilities beyond our own personal ability. That's right. In other words, you can do things outside of yourself. Things you'd never dreamed you mm. could do when you have excellence and the anointing. That's right. Excellence, excellence and the anointing gives us creativity. Right. To write, to vision. sing, to act, to play, vision. to preach. It gives us vision that we would not just accept the world's standards, but go beyond them to set a higher standard. How many writers do we have here? You like to write. You like to you sit write, your write instrument songs. and write songs. I like to uh -huh. write songs. Others? Uh, how many of you have songs that are still on the page that have never been sung? I do. I okay. raise my hand on that one. And so what I'm saying is, is that sometimes it begins in the natural, and then God will allow you to finish it or whatever. And then there's songs that in that moment they just come, and all of a sudden, boom, boom, and everybody's singing it. Anybody mm -hmm. ever been there? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so they're your songs, and then they're his songs. Right. Right. Okay. Excellence in the anointing gives us favor to stand before men, to have the attention of leaders such as presidents and kings. That That's right. was King David, obviously. That's right. There. To have excellence in the anointing also brings not only favor, but it brings blessing. That's right. David, Solomon, Joseph, Daniel, Paul, all very blessed. They were all men of skill. Right. 
but they were men that carried a great anointing. Right. Last question for you on this teaching. Can you have one without the other? Can you have excellence without the anointing? Can you have anointing without excellence? You can. You can. You can. The question is, why would you want? That's exactly right. Why would you want one but you without know my, the other? But you know you what, win my, the prize, my brother. But you know what, you my go. brother? How many, how many people have settled? How many people have settled? If they don't carry the anointing, you know? they can depend on the arm of the flesh. Yeah. Oh, but, 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 but you need me. <laughs> but you need me. <laughs> but I'm the best. You know I play better than anybody else. Well, it's not really about that. You know. Um, There's another half to this. There's the anointing side. And then on the other side, how many have said, but, 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 but I'm so anointed. You know when I sing, God moves. And you want to go, yeah, but you never practice. I mean, thank God, God blesses it and touches it. But there is another side. We want to play all of us the same chord at the same time. You need more than three chords. But God uses it. I know. But he can do more. You see, the purpose of excellence coupled with the anointing is for the purpose of showing forth the glory of God to all people. The purpose of excellence in the anointing is showing forth the glory of God to all people. The more they see him in us, the more they want to know him. It is the combination, our part, excellence coupled with his part, the anointing, that causes people to come to him, and that's the whole reason for our existence. In the closing scripture, 2 Corinthians, write this down. You can read all of this later. I won't read it all to you now. But it's 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 13. Uh, and Paul, a student of law and a great man of excellence, says it like this. And I'll let you read all that. But verse 7, I'll just jump down. Verse one. 7. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. And jump down to verse 15. All of this is for your benefit. As God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God receives more and more glory. That is the purpose of excellence and the anointing. That's why we strive. Can we have one? Can we have a church full of excellence? Absolutely. There are a lot of churches out there today. As Joe said, in this time in America, we've got more mega churches than you can shake a stick at. Stick at. They'll have three, four, five thousand people at on a weekend. Oh, they'll have multiple services. They'll have multiple services. And they're they're so perfect and they are Their so organized are that man they can get them in and out, parking lot and everything else. But there is not, not a one ounce drop of anointing. Of the anointing of God. There's it's become a show. People come and go the same way they came. So if it was just that, let me ask you this. If it was just excellence, listen to me. If it was just about excellence, wouldn't you think that the spiritual climate in America would be more than what it is today? I, I, I beg to differ with those who just say it's all about the excellence. Mm. Because the climate in America today, spiritually, yeah. with all of the greatest churches and all of the greatest ministries, with all the bells and whistles and the light shows and the smoke and the sound and the video and everything at their disposal. And the spiritual climate in America today is at an all-time low. 
I say to you, church, it's not all about excellence. It's not all about excellence. Mm. The component of the anointing, it's the anointing that can only change a life. We can get up and sing with the best, hit the high notes, the low notes, and all in between. But we have no power to change a life. And if we negate the power of the Holy Ghost in our services, people come in, they tip God, and pat themselves on the back as they go out. Mm -hmm. But they still have as many problems and as much hell in their lives as ever before. And that's an indictment Mm. on the church today. Excellence, we need it. Right. But we also need the anointing. We just want Amen. church to go past being just a social event. Yes, in my lifetime, I remember when the church was the hub of the community. Okay? Some, some of you here remember that, that everything happened around the church. They still use our churches to go as voting polls, but that's about it. But the church was the hub. And it was a social uh, life as well, Okay? Uh, and, and, to the, and today, there are some things that are very similar. I mean, there are the churches in your community that everybody looks to is where everybody goes. If you're seen at that church, you're somebody. But we've got to move past that. Because really and truly, the worship experience that we enjoy really was a, and should be a place where God, His people come together. It's like a revival every week. That when we come together, the Word is taught uh, the presence of God is here. You bring your lost friends, and they bring their lost friends, and they're healed, set free, and delivered, miracles, signs, and wonders, and people go away talking about it. It's just like whenever Jesus was there. They may have not have had it in a, in a building like this, but wherever Jesus was, it was either revival or a riot, man. They said, man, you got to go see that, that man from Galilee. And everyone who came to his meetings were either healed, set free, or delivered. Come on now. That's one of the reasons why there was a draw. You know, there's so much fear out there today about, you know, uh, well, if we have the spirit, you know, we're just going to blow up. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't think, I don't look at it that way. I, I, I think of the church these guys come from. Uh, their pastor is one of the most learned, knowledgeable men, a student of the word of yep. God, uh, like I've never met in my life. Pastor Frank Bailey is like a student of the word. He knows the Bible inside and out. And I, I would say, dare say, the congregation they come from, they have tremendous uh, fruit of their ministry. But he is never afraid mm-hmm. to let the Holy Spirit right. move in the service. And, uh, and I love the balance. I think a lot of churches, you know, they worried so much about having one and not having the other that they just thrown the baby out with the right. bathwater. And they don't, you know, they don't want the spirit to move because they're just, they don't right. know how to manage it. It's really not something you can manage, you know. The Spirit of God's not something you can manage. You, it's just, just you got to be comfortable enough to take hands off and let him go for it. He knows what the people need. I promise you, the Holy Spirit knows exactly what the people need when they come in. Now, we come ready, don't we? We come all every week. We come ready. We come with the song list. We come with the songs God has burned in our heart. We come with the Word of God. We, we come with the plan. But the Holy Spirit knows at any time he has, he has our permission to mess up our plan yeah, because true. he knows the people that are there and what they need for Amen. that given season. And uh, so it's not a case of managing it. It's a case of us just trusting him 
that he knows what the people need. There'll True. be a time for teaching. There'll be a time for demonstration. There'll be a time for the miraculous. There'll be a time for impartation. Right. God knows he's a faithful and just God. He's a faithful and he knows he's a father and he knows what his kids need. But we just have to be willing to trust him and rely on him and know he knows the people. He knows what they need. He knows the word they need in due right. season. And he knows when you need to just close the Bible and lay hands on people. But that's also where you, you learn to trust your pastors. If they're students of the word, then they know. Uh, you know, for me, I always love, I, I kind of love that. I love living on the edge, you know, so that someone comes in. And even if they're out of order and they begin to go down a path, you know, and, and whatever else, you know, if, if you're a student of the word of God, you know how to handle things like that and know how to use it for, for benefit instead of just shutting the whole thing down and just removing it, you know. Uh, allow God to redeem it and use it. Say, you know, they, we're all going to miss it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that we only know in part and prophesy in part. Every now and then one of us are going to miss it. But it also there are also times when it says that, that they stood and they began to prophesy and the word of the Lord was delivered. So we don't want to just throw the baby out with the bathwater. So what do we do? We come prepared. We understand what excellence is. And, and if you know the word of God and, and you can play skillfully, then even in those times, the pastor and the music team can head down the path and, and God can use us. So with all that in mind, uh, give us about uh, 10 more minutes here and then we're going to move to a different uh, transition. How many of those of you that are here today are from this house? You're from this church. Let me see your hand. Okay. Put your hands down. Who is not from this church? You're from another area? Thank you all for coming today. And we'll, we'll find out a little bit after here a minute. If you don't mind, don't run off too quick. That way at least we can meet you personally. But uh, uh, one of the things they ask us to do today is also to, to work with the team and also just to share a few things about the music side of it. But before we go there, we have our top ten. Can we throw those out there with you? And you might want to write these down. And, and then we'll give you just a, yep. a moment to ask some questions. Maybe be thinking if there's some things you want to ask us about just in terms yep. of team. Through uh, what we've been talking about, you might have something have that some we've questions? stirred in your heart. Uh, when you play, sing, set up, tear down, administrate, teach, run sound, take care of the nursery, uh, greet, take care of the finances, whatever you do. Uh, you're a good candidate for pastor. You're good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a place for you in the body of Christ, you know, because uh, this is very important. We all serve the house in some way. Uh, the thing about musicians is it's a little bit different than ushering, greeting, that type of thing. Because, uh, and you can't treat them the same way. Uh, you know, there's been a great debate about who do you pay, do you pay your musicians or whatever. I don't look at it as being paid. How many of you know if, if you're a good steward with the gift that God has put in your heart and he's called you, how many of you know that he'll make way for your gift? Yeah, that's right. Your gift will make way for you. And um, ultimately, it's not about being paid, but God will provide for you and, if, and bless you in that place in which you have called. There is a blessing and there is provision. And if it's the Lord blessing the church and as the church grows and the congregation grows, there are more finances to put toward a team and building that, that area, then praise God. Otherwise, then I'm going to take that as I've got to to. to make tents or mend tents or do something to where I can make a living for myself so I can do what I love to do. When our family traveled and sang, uh, I received a wonderful salary from our family. But then there came a season when we all received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 
And the moment we did, the uh, Baptist churches didn't want us anymore. And uh, we were in the middle of doing a lot of colleges, universities, and things like that with CBS Records. And then whenever that transition came and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I wanted to go back to the church. I wanted to take what God had put inside of me and I wanted to put that in the house of God. Because there was no contemporary Christian music in the house. Everybody was still leading their hands like this. Unless you were a Pentecostal church and you might have a guitar or something. But for the most part, organ, piano, choir. And if you were a really big church, you might have a little orchestra or something. Okay? But this contemporary style of music that everybody calls contemporary service or whatever it is, we helped birth that. <laughs> With second chapter of Acts, Amy Grant... Uh, the Imperials, Sandy Patty, uh, Carmen. When Carmen got saved and came out of the clubs, they put him in our bus. They came and he traveled with us for the first nine months of his ministry. We've known Carmen his whole life. And so, uh, and, and we were doing a concert with B.J. Thomas one day down at the Maybe Center at Tulsa at ORU. And this little girl comes out with her guitar and her flowery shirt. And she sat on a, on a stool and started singing Father's Eyes. And we said, they pitched us that song last year, didn't they? That was the stupidest song I ever heard in my life. <laughs> Got my father's eye. Went to number one and the rest is history, okay? So there are a lot of things that we have seen, but God put in our heart the church, okay? And that, that God's people would be raised up. We believe that everything Brother Zach and Heather need, they're in the house. Well, you don't know our church. We're real small. no. But as God blesses this house, everything that you need on this platform, in the nursery, greeting people, taking up the offering is in the house. That's the way God does it. I just, you know, uh, spiritual children or adopted children, they're in the house, okay? So, let's get to it. All right, so. Top ten. Top ten. These are a list below of practical things you can do. Aid and this will filter down to every area yeah, of ministry Not just for your, your worship, just okay. for in teams in general, not just for worship. Uh, things you can do to aid in building a stronger and better team no matter where you serve, whatever place you serve. Number one, remember this, we are all facilitators. Every one of us, we are all facilitators. We find the gifts in others and allow them to use their gifts. Another way of saying this we are to make disciples. Whether it's on the street, leading somebody to Christ to make a disciple, or there's a young believer in the church and I'm teaching a Bible class, or you're on the praise team and you're leading this team, you are always looking out there in the high schoolers, the college and career, or maybe a guy that played bass guitar, uh, like uh, in a church we've been sir helping here a little bit and helping them grow. He was the first bass player ZZ Top ever had. He's 68 years old. Sitting in the church. Sitting in the church. They Hadn't even played know for years. And we got him involved. The man can still play. He ain't forgot how. But he was just sitting there. Just sitting there, nobody knew him, never was asked. Matter of fact, he always helps in the, uh, in the uh, invitation at the altar call to help so in the he back. He's always taking, he's always the taking people to, to the back. People. Nobody knew he even played the bass guitar. I mean, the guy going, Meanwhile, the church is hiring bass players. And they're hiring and paying people to play. And I'm going, I told Pat, he said, he said we're, we don't have musicians. He said, I said, you got a church of 2,000. What do you mean you don't have musicians? You just don't know they're there. They're in the house. Okay, number two. Make disciples. That's the first one. Facilitate okay. others' ministries. All right, here's number two. Be confident in your calling. 
But remember, ministry doesn't revolve around you. Don't be territorial and afraid. Someone is going to do it better than you or take your job. Don't lead from a place of fear, but from a place of confidence in your God, not in your gift. Put who you are in, uh, in someone else and make a disciple. You see, the worst thing in the world is, is you take ownership. What did I say, first one? You're a facilitator of, of the giftings that God gives. You don't own this church. Hello. We have a ministry, Cruise Ministries International. We, have a, we had a campus, uh, Compassion Church. My son now pastors that. I cannot own one chair in my, in my ministry. It is a 501c3. Don't belong to me. I don't understand how people sell their ministry and pocket the money and go do something else. I ain't never figured that out. How do you, how in Jesus' name do you do that? How do you live with yourself and do that? Don't belong to you. Belongs to God. This ministry, you, the, the music ministry doesn't belong to you. Belongs to our Heavenly Father. But we what? We steward that ministry. And those that God brings to us. Work yourself out of a job. If God has called you here, nobody can take your place. But if someone sings better than you, you think, oh my gosh, they're going to get more solos than me. It's not about you. It's about him. Hello, get over yourself. Get over yourself. Okay, number three. Did y'all get all that? Do we need to repeat anything? Just don't be territorial and afraid someone can do something better than you. All right. I know these guys. That's are called taking pride. Notes. You know that. Yeah. That's what got Satan and a third of the angels kicked out of uh -oh. heaven for. Okay. All right. Number three. Share the load. Easy, easy boy. Share, Share the, the load. load. Work, work together. together. Okay. The more you give away, the more God gives you. You can't outgive God. Mm -hmm. The more you put yourself into someone else, the greater the team will become and the more others will want to be a part mm -hmm. of what's going Share on. I'm just Don't be afraid to release others. That's Don't right. Don't be afraid. Uh, right. Number four. Ready? Is that right? Yep. Build, Build a, a culture of mutual respect. For we, all on the team. We have to... Respect one another. You I may not agree with everyone every time, but you do need to respect the gift. Respect them. You have to. You have to build a culture of mutual respect. The old, that means the old can learn from the young, and the young, and the young can, can learn, learn from, from the, the old. old. Come on, I'm just telling you. A culture of mutual respect. There are things that you can glean from one another. And uh, in, that, that share, in, in that culture of respect, again, respect is earned. They may be a novice and they may not be able to play as well as you can, but you can at least see the fact that they carry a gift and you can be a part of helping them grow into who they are in Christ. And God will bless you for that, I'm telling you right now. You can't outgive Him. That's right. All right, ready for the next one? One, Don't, two, three, four, five. All right, Don't let strife come in oh, yeah. or pride rise up. Pride you know, at all costs. And strife are the quickest way to divide. Okay? Envy, strife, bitterness, anger. If you bring those things, if you've been hurt somewhere and you bring that, that chip on your shoulder into the team, it's it's gonna it's gonna taint, it's going to uh, poison the whole thing. You have to be quick to repent. Allow the Lord to bring healing and... Uh, can, uh, I, can I say this, that on this team, 
Let's talk about this team for a minute. These things that we're talking about go for all teams. Husband and wife. Can I tell you that we work at not letting strife come in and pride rise up. We have to work at that. And I'm going to tell you the she Lord. She has to work harder at it than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a backdoor compliment or not. Boom. Uh, but, but let me just say this. I'm the Lord, harder to work with. That's the Lord, why I said the she Lord, has to work at it harder than I do. <laughs> the Lord gave us a little tip this couple years ago. We went through a major transition in our ministry when our children used to travel with us. Because they're all in full-time ministry now in churches today. They're all doing what they love to do, which is serve the Lord and worship. And they're all full-time music guys and pastors. And, uh, and then it was this team again after all those years. And we, we had a bit of transition of how to communicate with one another and how to work together. And I'm, I'm going to give you a little tip. This is for couples here. If you work together on a team, the easiest way to, allow, to keep strife and pride out is to say, you win. No, that's not. Well, that's pretty good as long as that's you saying that to me. But. No. The easiest way, listen, you're going to think I'm crazy, but this is a truth that works every time. You have to get to the place of agreement as quickly as you can. Right. You have to get to the place of saying the same thing. Let me ask you. Say, Pastor Becky, how do you know when you're saying the same thing? When you pray in the Holy Ghost. When you pray in the Holy Ghost. You start speaking the same thing. That's right. We can be in a place to where I, goes out you know, door. if we're not in agreement and we've got to make a decision or whatever, and we've thrown both sides of the equation around and we really can't come to a resolve, then I'll say, you know, we just got to pray. We just got to pray in the Holy we Ghost. We grab, we'll grab hands. So we'll just begin to pray in the Spirit. And we'll just stay there and pray in the Holy Ghost. we just start praying in the Holy Ghost. And we'll stay there as long as it takes until we come to a place of rest. Whether it's she says, you know, I just really feel in my heart. And if I don't have an outside, you know what? I'll go with that. Because she's my help me. She's my partner. That little nugget for free, okay? That, uh, this is and, free. and you know what? Every now and then I get to go, you know what? I really feel like we need to do and it this way. Go, and okay. she'll go, I can do that. Because we, we got to the place of agreement. So now, I am was I always just, right? Let me say this. Am I always right? Absolutely not. <laughs> Sometimes I go, you know what, dadgummit? She'll go, I don't. Let me give you one example. We had a house one time in Dallas, Texas. I can't believe Texas. you're telling on yourself. And it was a beautiful house. And uh, the cost of living was a lot less than in this one place where we lived, out in Heath, Texas, out in the country. Acre, beautiful house. I wanted a pool so bad because I'd moved from Florida. I love my pool. It's therapy for me just to, you know, vacuum the pool and get out there and look at the waterfall. It's all this stuff. And so I have a, one of my best friends that I grew up with in East Texas. That's what he did was he built pools. And he lived just across town. And I went, Doug, I need you to come, man. I want you to build me a pool. And my wife's going, we don't know how long we're going to be here. Because the Lord had given us a word that he was going to take us to where the ministry and all this is going to take place. And, but he said, I'll show you your home in two years. But this was my home. I'm living here. I thought, man, i got to have me a pool. we got the money. We can do this. She goes, honey, I don't think we're supposed to build that pool. But honey, we got the money. I want me a pool. Oh, whatever. I'm just telling you. Guess what? I built that pool. The 
But when I sold that house two years later, guess what? I ate that pool. <laughs> they didn't give me any more money for that house than what I'd paid for it. And I had another 40-some-odd thousand dollars invested in a pool. And I had to eat that 40-some-odd thousand dollars. Now, I got out of the house and all that stuff. But I'd have, had a, I'd have had all that set over here if I hadn't invested it whenever she really, you know, was trying to protect me. But, oh, me, I'm going to. You know, I want to do it my way. So there is that place of agreement, and there, that's a very powerful nugget. Don't let strife come in or progress. When come I saw that, that place of agreement as quick as you can. Get to that place okay. of agreement, and if it just means, okay, just stop the rehearsal, let's just pray. That's right. You may have some different uh -huh. opinions going on, and some people are really pushing hard. Just say, you know what, let's just stop. Let's just pray about this and just start praying in the Holy Ghost. And, and then just see what happens yeah. after that. All right. Uh, stay, stay humble, stay and, humble teachable. and teachable. That's mm -hmm. the next one. Stay yeah. humble. Stay teachable. I am, like I said a while ago, you I'm 59. I'll be 60 in November. I'll go ahead and tell you that. And I realize I know less today yeah. than I've known ever. Stay humble. So next one. Stay Strife. Teachable. Strive for, Strive for excellence in everything you, and everything you do. We kind of covered that mm -hmm. earlier, so excellence is important. Oh, this is a good Next one. one. Walk in love. Walk in love and don't harbor bitterness. bitterness. And that's where the work of the Holy Spirit comes. Because here, here's one of the things we talk about a lot. Uh, in ministry, you never know how you're going to get your heart back. Because ministry is giving your heart to people. Okay? You're always giving your heart to people. You're always serving people. You never know how you're going to get your heart back. In other words, somebody gets hurt out there, they're liable to use you and have you for Sunday dinner, and they're going to abuse you, and they're going to talk about you, and they're going to squish you like a bug. <laughs> and it's going to come back to you, and the next time you see them, they're going to be all huffity and uppity and everything else. And you go, what? What? What did I do? You never know how you're going to get your heart back. But here's the thing. I've got to stand up next week, and I've got to do it again. So, no matter in what condition I get my heart back, you can have your heart handed on a platter. I mean, squished, looking like chopped liver. <laughs> but I know a Heavenly Father who can take my broken heart, and He can mend it, and He can make it new, so that I can turn right back around and hand it to somebody else. That's ministry. For your whole life, you're going to be handing your heart to people. And you have no clue how you're going to get it back. I can't, I really can't fix that for them. They're going to have to deal with that and they're going to have to answer to God concerning that. Now, if they come to me and say, Pastor Joe, you hurt me, then I have a choice. I can go, how did I do that? Well, you did this, that, and the other. And I go, well, you deserve that. <laughs> I was right. You dadgum right. You did this and you did that. And, and as your pastor, as your pastor, yeah, you're exactly right. I did. You don't know how many times I've had to go back and the Lord tell me, go, you know what, Peckerwood? That's a good Texas term. You know what, boy? You may be right, but you were wrong in the way you delivered that. And I'll go, you're right. And then I have to go back. And say, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I offended you. You can't justify. But the Bible said, no, yeah. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said it like I said it. Mm -hmm. So you don't know. You know what I'm saying? 
we are to be about a ministry of reconciliation. That's what we're to do. And, and listen, for, for me, that's a hard thing because I'm kind of black and white. I really am. Oh, I bet they couldn't tell that. I am so black and white. And, and, and I believe Scripture, very much of Scripture is black and white. I really do. It's, it's pretty, what it says is what it is. But sometimes in our delivery, we have to be careful that people, they just don't see it the way we see it. They don't have the privilege of walking in these things daily because this is our life. I'm always preparing. I'm always teaching a, a lesson or I'm always learning a new song. So there's opportunity for the Holy Spirit to be working on me, okay, and, and dropping us something fresh in my heart. And others, man, they, they're going to go to work Monday morning, and the first thing they're going to do is when they get there, that boss doesn't know God, doesn't know anything about it, and the first thing that's going to happen is he's going to use about 15 cuss words, and he's going to berate them, and, and he's going to destroy anything that you said yesterday that was said that would lift them up, and they're going to have to live in that environment for a whole week. And then you're going to get them again for an hour to speak life into them. So, so these are things that... that as a minister of the gospel, if we can begin to walk in these things, then it changes the, the, the ecosystem of our life, the, the, the atmosphere in which we live, okay? So, so walk, walk in, in love, love, don't harbor bitterness. Last one. Last one, when you've done everything in the natural, lean on the supernatural power of God, and that's excellent. And Sunday that is morning. run to the secret so, place. That's, that's really right. the last one. Right. The last one is run to the secret place, Psalm 91, okay? You've when you've done everything you can do uh, to avoid bur burnout whenever... You know, you're in a place to where you want to call your mother-in-law and say, can you come help me? And your husband's been sick for three weeks with the flu or whatever it is. It's Christmas time. Everything's happening, outreaches and all that. Help! If you can't find your mother-in-law, if you can't get anybody you know to call to come to the house, run to the secret place. Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. And he even begins to talk about the enemy of our soul and, and people like that that want to come and, and want to steal you away and things like that. And the Bible says, oh, if you're a worshiper, you're only going to be a spectator. The enemy can't touch you. He can't come to your house. He can't even touch your tent. I leave my house every week. That's another whole message. I leave my house every week, and I go, God, protect my house. I station the angels. When I come back, all my guns are safe. Everything's safe. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's just a side note. Well, anyway, any thoughts? Yes, ma'am. Well, you know what? I think one of our dots was gone because when we were up there, we were facilitators. Number two was be confident in your calling. I think number three was don't be territorial or afraid uh, uh, that someone's going to come and take your place. And then which led us to number four, share the load. Uh, number five, build a culture of mutual, mutual respect. Uh, number, uh, was that one, two, three, four, five? Six number. was, yeah, six was don't let strife. Seven, stay humble. Eight, strive for excellence. Nine is walk in love. And ten is when you've done everything uh, uh, in the natural. That, that, that makes that's, sense. That's the next one, okay? okay? Okay. But that's them there. I just mentioned them. They'll be on the tape. But, but I'll give this to you, and y'all can look at it. Any other thoughts before we just uh, spend a minute or two? Yes, ma'am. I had to stand up. No, I didn't say it should be anything. I was giving. Listen, y'all, it's the truth. You know, for me, I love church. So my mentality is totally different. He, he was just saying the average in America. 
I know. Thank and you, I Jesus. Love it. Well, that's why we're here. Jalapeno. <laughs> that's why y'all invited us, because y'all aren't average. But I, have, <laughs> but, I, but I have a cousin of mine who's a pastor in, in South Carolina, and uh, some of us South Carolina outside of Charlotte, and uh, it's a Fellowship of Oak Brook. He grew up Southern Baptist, got filled with the Holy Ghost, and he came to this Baptist church, and they've changed the name, and it's, and it's a lot different, but they have three services or two services Sunday morning. And their service runs exactly one hour long. And uh, I'm not trying to break their tradition or whatever, but that's their model. So he called us to come do what we're doing for you. And he told me, he said, by the way, tomorrow morning you have one hour. And so we're going to do it similar to what we do here. And that is where the praise team does the first two or three or four songs or whatever it is. And then they take the morning offering and then they turn it over to us just to minister. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, Lord, have mercy, what do I do? So for me, and, and I know that this is the exception to the rule, because when you're there every week, you're, you're also having to build a body. You're dropping a nugget, a word that the, the church is going to live on for a week. And then even your, your uh, small groups kind of flow in and around that, and they can talk about some of that during the week or whatever. But for me, I just, I just sung about three item songs, you know, and did a little bit. And then I shared from a, a, a passage of scripture that's real close to my heart. And then I moved straight into the invitation. Come to find out they don't even give formal invitations. They can take the thing from the back of the pew. And, and so I'm just bold. I don't know what they do. He didn't tell me that's how they do it. So I just went ahead and said, uh, after I got through, I said, I want every head bowed and every eye closed. And I went straight into the invitation. Now, this is 10 till I've gone 40 minutes. But what I hello, there it is. I said so. So what I did was is I, uh, I just, I'm sorry, but I, but I had, to, but 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 here's the deal. I'm a man under authority. Okay, that's what he told me I had, and I had to get ready for the next service. So I just went into the invitation, gave the invitation. We had eight or ten or twelve, fifteen people stand up to receive Christ and others. And, and what I did was is I leaned on the Holy Spirit. I leaned on the even anointing of the Lord. Even though I had one hour, mm -hmm. I, I was still able to watch the Lord work. But, but I'm like you. I just feel like that if we can create an atmosphere of worship, that we can sing and the Lord come and minister, I believe that, that, that people will drop their guard. I believe that people will relax in the presence of the Lord. Many times, that is their, their, their normal, uh, you know, they're, they're on hour increments in their life. They really are. They're, they're, they've got this meeting for an hour. They've got this meeting for an hour. They've got this thing. They have to do it. And, and, and if we can somehow or another transport them, <laughs> it's the best way for me to say it, transport them into an atmosphere and a realm of the Spirit to where they can lose themselves in the presence of the Lord, they can drop their guard and God can speak to them, then, then we've done our part. We can only do our part. It's the Holy Spirit's part to change the life. Amen. We can't change a life, but I can be used of God to, be, to, to help create an atmosphere for God to change that life.